Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Why don't we eat? Dear Doc, or the boss, I'll have your spam. I love it. I'm having spam, spam, spam. Cornflakes! 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 Spam, 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 baked beans, spam, 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 and spam. I said I don't want any damn vegetables. Lentils are really good, you know? Mmm, forbidden donut. That's the intro, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the afternoon here on 3 Triple IFM on a glorious. Gosh, I'm excited about it. Well, it's sunshine, it's vitamin D, it's 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 the ability for us to photosynthesize in our own ways and uh, and warm up after well, during this winter, Carl Chapman, it's good to see you. Good morning, Cam. And we've had two beautiful mornings, actually. Yesterday was a, was a gorgeous day as well. It was a gorgeous day. It, uh, it gives us hope that, uh, well, a lot of things will change, shall we say. Uh, thank you to the scientists. Thank you to the doctors. Thank you to the marine biologists. Thank you, Tim Thorpe. Oh, my God, all you people that have made the morning so incredible on this station, and also an acknowledgement to you, dear listener, wherever you are or what time frame you are in. You might be listening in the glorious now like a Buddhist, or you might be listening in the future, as you can, as uh, as we are able to with this station. Is that right, Cal? You can listen back on demand, and of course, there's the Eat It podcast. There is indeed. So lots of ways for you to consume these delicious gifts that we give to you over the weekend, and dare I say it, throughout the rest of the week. This is a food show. Did I introduce myself? You should know who I am. I'm Cam, Cam Smith. And uh, we're going to be talking uh, about a few little different bits and pieces. I'm very, very excited to talk about a spooky subject. We're talking about the mycelium, the the thing that is underneath, the subterrane and the subterrane species thing that produces... What is it? Is it a vegetable? Is it a meat? We're talking about mushrooms. Glenn Cardwell is a nutritionist. He's across the Nullarbor. He has his hands folded. He's waiting uh, to have a chat to us. He's, he's doing 
jazz hands and spirit fingers because uh, we've got them and we can see them thanks to Carl setting that up. Thanks, buddy. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. The good news is that mushrooms are very, very good for you and uh, we should have more of them. They can be tricky to cook, but we're going to talk a little bit about that too. Uh, we then go to market to have a chat to John at the Queen Victoria Market, which I can't wait. And then I thought we'd just have a little bit of an indulgence. Carl got excited when I told him this. The top five cocktails in the world of all time. Discuss. Um, And Seb and I are going to have a bit of a discussion about that. Sebastian Rayborn, uh, friend of the station, uh, the pioneer with his fabulous wife, Dervla McGowan, of Anther Gin. And uh, I'm really, really looking forward to that. It's a shame we couldn't have him in the studio and try all five cocktails. That would have been nice. Might have been hard doing the pedals and the levers to get home, but uh, and as someone once said, the most uh, the perfect amount of cocktails, actually, especially with martinis, is like breasts too. I hope we haven't offended anyone. If we have, I'm sorry. Uh, now to start off um, the show, um, it's been an interesting week. I've, I've actually I've got a report on an amazing day uh, that I had. Uh, down at Starwood Whiskey. Have you heard of Starwood Whiskey? No. no. I, I have a buddy of mine, Wendy Hargraves, who um, has been doing some work for Port Phillip Council and uh, has been doing some filming, and she invited me to come down and film, taste whiskey, and eat chocolate with it. I mean, does that sound like a good gig? Well, life's great combinations. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, Starwood Whiskey. We went down to Fisherman's Bend, where they are. I think number 50 Bertie Street, if memory serves me right. You can do tastings there. And uh, their whiskey has come a long way since David Vitale started it at Essendon Airport. Um, something to be truly very, very proud that we have such great whiskey and booze in this place. Look. It is 12.05. Actually, it's 12.06. Time does get away from us. Shall we bring Glenn in? I think it might be a good idea. Let's bring Glenn Cardwell from Perth. Um, Glenn's a nutritionist. He wears a lot of hats for different people. He is representing, represent, uh, the Australian Mushroom Growers Association. Is that correct, Glenn? And welcome. Uh, thanks, Cam, and that is spot on. Yes, I'm Boom. here representing all things mushroom as best as I can. You are indeed. How long have you been uh, been working hand in hand uh, with the the mushroom growers? Well, I started off. I mean, I'm I'm a dietitian, so I started off uh, life uh, in, in in clinical working with adolescents and kids, etc. Then I kind of stumbled across uh, mushrooms, and they invited me to help them research and understand uh, mushrooms and promote them from uh, their many health benefits and uh, and so that's been my last 15 years or so and wow just doing a little bit of research so you have a black uh, university you have a black belt in mycology (laughs) i'm not a mycologist oh yeah easy easy i know i know we we had this we we had an awkward part of the conversation when we did our briefing um but um your mastermind subject is agaricus by by bisphorus? How do we say the the uh, what's the botanical name for the common mushroom? It's agaricus uh, bisphorus. So the, the bi as in two and and uh, types of spore. Bi. You got it. Why is bisporus. it bi again? 
uh, just uh, I think it's the, the two um, uh, areas of the, of the mushroom that, uh, or two different cells that emit the spores. I think that's correct. Ah, so it's by spores. Okay. Yeah. okay. All right. First of all, can we get a working definition? Because mushrooms are weird, man. <laughs> if I could just sort of, you know, put it there, it's sort of like it. It lives underground. It it's um, the mycelium. These long threads contribute to some of the largest organisms on this planet, and it it lives in this subterranean thing. And it's not a vegetable. It's not a meat. What's your working definition for what's a mushroom, Glenn? What is <laughs> this? Yeah. It's, it's well spotted there, Cam, because, uh, yeah, they've actually had uh, the measurements of the mycelium underground of uh, up to uh, nine square kilometres, so they can be quite massive out in the wild. Not so much when we grow them in growing rooms uh-uh. here, but no. I think... Uh, not uh, the, cultivated. The, no, not the cultivated ones. No. I think the... Oh, the, that's two slabs you owe us now, Glenn. <laughs> Is that me? I think it oh, might I be. Oh, I, I apologise. I didn't even realise that was uh, – I thought I'd turn that off. We've just anyway, started. I'll, we'll have Coopers, please. Two slabs. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, sorry. Back to the back to these no, mushrooms. No, I, well, I apologise. I had no oh, idea. Oh, well, that's that all right. No, the, just... the, 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 um, so, yes, you're quite right that uh, you, you have a, a plant kingdom and an animal kingdom from which we consume most yeah. of our food. And, yeah. then, and then we have a separate kingdom, which is uh, the, the mushroom or fungi kingdom. Oh, so what which, we, which can is, we call that the middle kingdom then? Well, it's not um, China. People, <laughs> people have said that it is. It is the third kingdom of uh, of, of nutrition. Yes. and and you're right in that there is a, the underground subterranean mycelium that grow, and then they send up what we call a fruiting body. Yes, and that's what you and I call the mushroom. That's what we go and buy in the shops. Is a, a, the fruiting body. Of it's the, like of a the flower. Mushroom. A, a mushroom is sort of like a flower in a weird it, kind of it, subterranean well, it, way. Exactly. Mm. No, you're, you're dead right in that they, they send up a, a, a little button yep. and that's why we call them button mushrooms. And then that grows in, in our case, in the common mushroom, that grows a little bit and that becomes uh, a cap. Yes. And then uh, it grows even further. And when it grows even further, and we call them flat or field mushrooms, yes. that's, when it re- that's when it exposes the gills underneath, the brown yes. gills underneath. And, mm. of course, from those gills is where you then emit the spore the for the next generation. Yes. Um, so we've got these things called uh, buttons, uh, caps and flats and uh, portobellos and browns, and et cetera, et cetera, but they're all the same, that all the same really- uh, mushroom. Can I just say that that really, really surprised me that a brown and a portobello is still related or is still the agaricus? Is that right? It's still exactly. It's still agaricus by spores, but they're just slightly different strains, which means the colouring is a little bit different. I mean, some people argue that – And texture. You know – yeah, yeah, there's a texture difference or there's a flavour difference. Um, mm. uh, others will say, well, no, that's probably just in your mind, which is, you know, which is fine. It doesn't matter how you interpret that. Um, others have said once they, of course, once they open out and yes. um, become a mature mushroom, which we call the flat mushroom, then that generally has um, a, a denser flavour because it actually has a higher level of what we call glutamates. And it's the glutamate that gives a mushroom that umami, that, that deliciousness, that, that, that the yeah, meatiness. It's exactly. It's 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 a meatiness. It's deliciousness in I want to say a vegetable, but it ain't a vegetable. But it ain't meat. That's uh, that's the most important part. In that you can get this umami bombs 
in something that isn't a protein. And if you are a vegetarian, then you don't have to have doubts and worries about consuming them. Well, precisely. And it, and it has become a very, very popular food with vegans and vegetarians mm. um, for, for that for that very reason. The, the additional reason, which uh, I guess we were going to get onto anyway, was that yeah. uh, when you expose them to some UV, some ultraviolet um, light, I'll use that word, it's not quite correct, yes. which you find in sunlight, if you put them out into sunlight, then they start generating vitamin d quite naturally now you won't get that with broccoli or a carrot um or you know or a slab of, of meat you're going to get that only with the mushroom and that's why it's very very different in fact i remember and i'll, I'll tell you this it doesn't come up often in conversation but i'll tell you that uh, somebody at the university of western city yes. uh, a researcher said that the dna of a mushroom is closer to a human being than it is to a carrot so Whoa. it does show you that it's a very very different food it is indeed. And, and when we think about cooking a mushroom, because uh, it's not full of sugars like, say, a carrot is, it will take more heat and it will take more frying. And you can brown off the mushroom without it tasting all bitter and twisted. Like if you, if you cook a carrot and you really, really brown it, it's, all those sugars are really going to go into bitter sort of compounds. But we don't get that with a mushroom, do we? Well, mushrooms are wonderful in that you can you can cook them. I mean, you, obviously, you can barbecue them. You can make them. In, I mean, my favourite is making them into soups or risotto. Uh, you said you you like it, a, qu- a cream of mushroom soup was one thing you said you liked. Well, because you can make that yourself with with a, a degree of simplicity. You can. Um, yeah. I can tell you now. I'm no I'm no foodie. I'm no cook. And and if I can do it, then it's the old cliche. Anybody can do it. Yes. Um, but by cooking up mushrooms, and then you can either uh, you can either blend them so that you've got um, uh, a soup or you can uh, – I mean, I've, I've even uh, cooked up mushrooms, uh, let them cool down and, and plonk them in the salad. It, they, they just add that variety of texture and flavour that, uh, that that I think a, a salad loves to have, you know, a variety within it. Glenn, can we talk cellular level here, please? Um, so mushrooms – as far as I can see, uh, what do we got? Um, mushrooms are pretty much cellulose, amino acids, and water. Is that so? Well, look of, what's, at, what, yeah. what, 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 is, what are they made from? What are, what is a mushroom? Well, when I when I when I take a mushroom out of the front, front directly from the farm, yes, um, it'll it'll have about ninety two percent water. Uh-huh. Um, the ones the ones that you'll buy in the shops will be down to around about ninety ninety one percent. But when it gets down to about eighty five percent, they start to to, to, to shrivel up. Yeah, right. So so you're right. It's it, it's a high water content food but yes. with uh, a range of uh, proteins, a range of carbohydrates. And I say this because what's inter- interesting because it become it, it's not related to a vegetable. Those those um, carbohydrates in particular look like they've got some benefits in helping to control blood cholesterol, helping to control blood glucose. There's even um, a bunch of research, and it's mm. not cause and effect, but a bunch of research pointing out that women who consume mushrooms have a, a much lower risk of breast cancer. Now, there really? are there are plausible explanations as to why that is happening because there's compounds in mushrooms that seem to kill uh, breast cancer cells. Yes, but of course I, I couldn't come out, um, uh, uh, you know, 
in all honesty and say eat mushrooms and you won't get breast cancer okay, that'd be yeah. crazy but there just seems to be a strong trend amongst uh, mushroom consumers let's talk about <clears throat> frying mushrooms and it seems to me that um uh in the past i've made a big mistake because um the very very fact that there's so much water that um when you st- first say you want to fry off some mushrooms to go with um let's just say you want to fry off some mushrooms we don't have to relate it to anything but the thing is that it's probably not a good idea to put too much fat in the frying pan. Say you want to cook them off in butter. It just seems to suck it all up, sucks it all up. There is a view that I have heard, and you can tell me whether this is right, in the fact that when you fry off a mushroom, the first thing you should do is really just chuck them in a pan without too much and then let the water come out. And then after that stage, then you can add your fat and brown them off so you get, um, well, caramelization and maillardation, I suppose, because it's the Maillard reaction we're talking about, yes. not so much caramelization, yeah. if we want to get all, yes. all scientific-y. <laughs> it's, it's, what are you, but what are your you, thoughts about the fat in, and the, the water that's in the mushroom and how you deal with it when you fry it? Well, as you, as you described, Cam, that's a very, very popular way of, of preparing mushrooms. Yes. Now, uh, I mean, we've mentioned, we haven't mentioned before, but of course, mushrooms are very popular with um, mm. uh, uh, with uh, pizzas. And so they're a great flavor yeah. enhancer to pizzas. And that, and when you yeah. do that, when they're in the oven, you'll actually evaporate off the water yes. um, and your pizza won't get soggy. But of course, the, the, the water content then becomes quite useful when you're making something like a uh, risotto. Of risotto. Yeah, or, or, in, or, indeed, risotto. or indeed the, the soup. So, the, so you're quite right. And there's different ways of adding of uh, using your mushrooms and you're also very uh, correct in saying that they do absorb flavors so whatever flavors you add they will tend to absorb it they're great at, absorbers of flavor at the beginning yeah yeah got it oh that sounds really really good and as you said from a nutritional point of view we have been inside well uh, some of us here in the East Coast have been locked down for a little while. Well, we're allowed to exercise every now and we get let out for a thing. But vitamin D is um, is something that's um, uh, very prevalent in uh, vitamin D deficiency. And one of the great things that you can do to boost your vitamin D is eat mushrooms, correct? Correct. The, the, I mean, in Australia, um, we have uh, obviously during wintertime this um, – Around about one third of Australians will be vitamin D deficient. One, one, one way you can counter that. Well, yes, it's 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 often stated as a quarter, but by when you get into August September, that's when our vitamin D levels are at their and lowest. That's for because, Aussies. Uh, that's not people living yeah. off the in Siberia or no, 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 you know, no, you're right. no, yeah, gosh. Yeah, because, I mean, you're not getting any right now, neither am no. I right now. So you do have to be outside. Right. And if you can't be outside, no. then put your mushrooms outside. And you, if you put them into – I mean, we we did some research in Sydney uh, a wee while ago and put mushrooms outside in July, mm. um, August. Yes. Around about um, – somewhere around about the half hour to one hour is all they require, and they will produce naturally – um, your vitamin D requirements for the day in a, in a single serve. And that's why m- wild mushrooms, uh, which we mentioned off air before, yes. is uh, wild mushrooms are naturally high in vitamin D because they are outside. <laughs> very, very interesting. Um, again, your favourite, to uh, ask you the Julie Andrews question, your favourite things. What was your favourite thing to do with a mushroom? 
Well, for me, I think uh, when the kids are growing up, we made a whole pile of uh, um, uh, homemade pizzas, and mushrooms are always a favourite. Um, Yum! Uh, yeah. In there, so I, I'm going to I'll put pizzas uh, uh, as number one, especially for homemade uh, f- uh, food when you got young kids. I love that. I think uh, for me personally, uh, one of the great vehicles for the mushroom is the risotto. Um, I will be, even though you represent. Uh, uh, the common mushroom, I will pretty much always add a little bit of porcini just to boom, pick it up a little bit. Um, also, folks, if you get big flat mushrooms and sort of do a little paste of sort of um, white miso and hoisin sauce and stick them in the oven, that becomes a umami bomb. And you're the bomb too, Glenn. Thank you for having a chat to us in Perth. We'll make sure that we put more mushrooms on our plate. It's been a delight, Cam. Thank you very much. Appreciate right it. back at you, Glenn. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> you are listening to 3 Triple R FM. It is 20 minutes past the hour of this midday. Uh, I would imagine that Carl is looking at me and saying, we need to pay some rent. Shall we do that? Let's do that, and then we're going to go to market. Triple R. Glorious sunshine. It is glorious, and a good morning to you and everyone else. It's good to see you after these weeks. It is. As I said to you, it's good to get out and have a bit of freedom, isn't it? Uh, Look, it sure is. And um, may I thank you for for taking our calls while I couldn't legally be able to come and see you at the Queen Victoria Market. Yes, I was happy to do that. I'm glad that you uh, towed the line like most people and... um, We'll do the right thing and get over this virus quicker, I hope. Yeah, well, um, yes, we are, and what a community. But isn't this nice? Um, A a few things. It felt extra evocative coming to the market this morning. Um, As I walked past the donut van, I don't know, for some reason, the smell of the jam and the donut seemed to be magnified. Yeah, it is, because you've been missing it. Um, yeah, the colours yeah. seem to be more magnified this that, morning. That, that's right, and, and they are beautiful donuts because we've had our fair share in the last month too, so yeah. I won't complain about that. No, and John gets double jam, but uh, don't tell them that because you won't because you're a mere mortal. If you ask for it, they'll do it for you. Don't worry, they're lovely people. Oh, OK, well, there we go. We can do that. Um, my, uh, you've brought short show and tell, so let's, um, let's get stuck into that. Uh, we are at... There's, there's sort of a little sniff of spring in the air. I'm seeing a little bit of blossom happening. It's, it's, it's on its way. It is, definitely. And um, I brought these things because I just want to show you or tell you about how this is really the lucky country. Because yeah. we're still in the middle of winter, aren't we? Mm. Without a doubt. Yep. We've had very, very strong winds, a lot of rain here in Melbourne, and it's been nothing different from here up to... Um, the um, northern uh, coastline, so everyone's copped it big time. True that. All right. And, so, and then Western Australia has copped so much rain. My God. Uh, exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. yes, because um, their corn started, but yeah. it stopped. But lucky these boys in Queensland have sent us, just let's get a little bit of sunshine out, have sent us this beautiful corn. Now, I've got two varieties. One's the normal super sweet corn, which is yellow, but yes. not a very, very dark yellow at the moment because it's new season, but very, very sweet and soft. Yes. And we've got this beautiful honey and pearl, two-coloured corn. Oh, honey and pearl. Yeah. That's beautiful. But if you look at the colours, then you'll understand why it's called honey and pearl. White kernels, yellow kernels, a softer shell on the kernel, so when you bite it, mm. it's not that hard crunch. Yeah. You get a lot of juice into the mouth and a lot of sugar. 
uh, we're selling these two dollars each. You can buy um, cheaper corn around the market, but as always, you get what you pay for. These are very fresh. Yes, and, and uh, always with corn, I reckon as soon as you can get them into the water. Really, like you bring them home because those sugars that you're tasting are just. Um, they're just getting converted into starch, and the longer you leave it, the less sweet it's going to be. That's right. With the more modern varieties like the super sweet, it's not so bad mm. as the old um, Jubilee corn that was endemic to Victoria. Oh, Jubilee, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. That, um, the story is that you'd pick it and run to the pot. Oh, they used yes. to say that about the yeah. um, American Indians when they, they used to grow it in California as well. Have um, the boiling water in the field. That's right. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, yeah, because it would change, but if you ate it as soon as it was picked, it was just pure magic, all sugar, yeah. all colour, all juice. Yeah. So, you know, we're blessed in that respect. And also another thing that shows us that we're very, very lucky, have a look at these little asparagus here. Um, we had some thicker than my thumb the yeah. other day. They ran away. You were they, telling us about that yeah, last week. Beautiful thick heads. Yeah. And these are what we call tips. Um a lot of them break because it's been... These are growing up in Mildura, and it's very gritty soil. Yes. And you get a little bit of wind, and the wind cuts into the um, asparagus, and they break off. Nasty. Um, very easy. So it's not like being in Kuirup, is yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. So these are the top bits. They're very, very clean. There's no bruises on them at all. Yeah. Um, nice, hard tips, mm. and they're very, very sweet. So we've had them twice this week, just steamed. I uh, hate to be a cynic and ask for the, uh, you know, the price of everything. Quanto? Uh, how much? No. Uh, we started 25 last week. This week we got 20, and I reckon next week we'll come down. Yes. Um, but the firsts uh, double the price, and there's only a, a few centimetres in length difference between these and the firsts, so okay. there's no reason why you can't buy these. Um, can we do the peppers next? Yeah, yeah. I brought some beautiful um, you got your bullhorns out. Bullhorns and a banana chilli. So if you haven't seen a bullhorn before, um, a capsicum is sort of rounded or a little bit elongated. A bullhorn is like a, a, a chilli uh, that's gotten really really big that's right yes but they're really sweet yes but um some of them are deceptive too because we've got the beautiful long green ones and the beautiful long that's red ones another pretty green. yeah yeah they're very uh bright colored uh very fresh yeah. these have thicker walls than a normal capsicum they're sweeter more vitamin c yeah and then we've got one that looks the same but it's what we call a banana chili um, now, these you have to be very, very careful because this one I've got here is a hot one and you can't tell the difference uh, if they're hot or sweet. And it's sort of a chartreuse sort of colour. It's getting towards a little bit of yellow, isn't it? It is, definitely. A lot of people just call them yellow chilies. Um, these are not killer hot, but hot enough for some. Yeah. We've had some weeks where we've fried them and eat them in, in a beautiful ciabatta as a sandwich. And then there were some weeks when I couldn't eat it because it was so hot. Wow. Uh, okay, let's like sing a bit. May I say something? Uh, observation of these chilies. I think these are amazing stuff because they're so great and sweet. They're a little bit of a, a problematic, shall we say, in in getting the skin off them because they're, they're quite thin. Uh, and sometimes I find that if I char them um, to take off the skin, uh, it can be a little bit difficult. Your thoughts on that? Well, a lot of people put them into a plastic bag or wrap them did in that? detail around yeah, did them. did that afterwards so they steam? And maybe you'll let them cool down a little bit too much. 
Right. Okay. Always learning. Thank you, John. I um, will, uh, take a lot of times, Mum does them. They're scalding hot still, and she's peeling them. Oh, so okay. you right. know, so you, you have to find the right method. You're going to have a little bit of pain. Okay. We're going to just stop for two secs. Sorry. Are we back because John had to uh, serve some people. It was good because it got me to uh, to bring something here. Um, this is. They say this is God's equation in a vegetable, the Romanesque, which is like a, it's a cauliflower, but uh, the florets are incredible because they follow this fractal design of mathematics. Yeah, I, I was going to say they look weird, but you've, <laughs> <laughs> you've given them a better description than I should have. Um, God's equation. They are. They, they're very, very pretty. Um, they are. This is, um, I, I would say, related to the cauliflower very closely. Yeah, especially when um, you turn it upside down. Look at that. Yeah, the leaves are a little bit different, a little bit prettier leaves, tender leaves. Mm. But it's got this beautiful formation, as you said. Um, Spirals. Spirals. And they go all the way around and they're all even, precise, pretty. um, Fractals. Yeah, they are lovely. And um, these you can eat in many different ways. You can cook it like a cauliflower, Mm. um, but a lot of the Italians um, cook it up and then break it up and put it through a pasta. Yeah. um, Probably with a very, very light sauce, more water than Mm. anything else, with a little bit of maybe blue cheese. Yeah. so hopefully that the flavour of the um, Romanesque will uh, shine through. There's a great dish that you do with uh, urapa um, and cauliflower, spaghetti, pine nuts, cheese, and you sort of whip it into this sort of mash, and you could probably do that with that. That would be really, really nice. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. And I'm pretty sure that the colours would shine through as well. Yep. Because uh, it's got this beautiful iridescent-type green. Damn right, um, damn right. And um, I, we argued, my son and I, because he came to market with you me. You argued with day. your son? I don't yeah. believe it, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's been begging me for weeks to buy the purple ones, and I said, no, the purple one, um, which looks more like a collie, which is an, a natural aberration yes. to the cauliflower, but now they've bred it on, and they're called jacaranda. They're not pretty. This is very nice. It's a firm collie. It's got a lot of weight in it. And uh, I think it'll taste a lot better than a purple one. So I, f- I find the look of these somewhat astounding, to be really honest with oh, you. They definitely are. This is something that you'd like to either uh, do a painting of or a photograph of and then eat uh, it. Yeah. Uh, Put it in a bowl in the middle of the table. Um, question, seasons um, are changing, things are coming. Broad beans? Well... Not quite yet. We had broad beans about a month ago because mm. they had the first crop. The flowers stayed on and um, produced broad beans. Yes. Now, I'd say that the second lot of flowers got frosted or blown. Yeah. Um, maybe the plants fell over and died. Who They're knows? not good with wind, are they? No, definitely oh. not because my father-in-law, when he was um, living in Northcote, he used to grow um, bamboo out the back. Oh, yes, that's right. I remember you telling me yeah, that. And, yeah, and... As um, a break. You, you, not just as a break, but he'd, yeah. he'd get the um, little sticks as tall as the plants were going to be, yeah. and he'd tie them to the little bamboo sticks so they wouldn't fall over. Yeah, smart man. Smart man. Because he doesn't want to be cursing the wind. That's uh, that's not a good thing to be doing. Um, so broad beans are happening. That's good. Oh, unnatural mangoes happening. From Northern Territory. Robbie said, yeah, I've got some. Yeah, well... Uh, Don't ask me how they, they did them, he said. <laughs> no, I believe they're natural because um, really? they do smell. 
There's um, some seconds across the road for three dollars. Yeah, we're talking Kingston Pride in the middle yes. of for the end of winter. It's kind of weird. And their firsts are six dollars. But don't forget where these guys come from. It's it's a, another country up there. It's I, like yeah, it's like going from yeah. Sicily to to the top of Russia. Yeah. It's a long, long way. Yes, exactly. Well, the other other way around. Um, but I don't know. It's like I'm going to wait until it's the right time to eat a Kingston Pride? Yeah, I've been thinking about it, and I'm, I think I'm the same as you. I will Are you going to hold off? I'll hold off, yeah. because uh, one's never enough for us, so we will wait, because if you buy one and, you, you know, you're yearning for another one and you get disappointed, even if it was brilliant, the first one you ate. Mm. So we'll wait for when the time's right. We'll buy a big tray of overripe ones and have a feast. Because what we should be eating now are the cabbages and the brassicas and the, you know, the Brussels sprouts that have tasted the frost and... And are really, really sweet. And, you and can... mandarins. And mandarins. And, yeah, that's a pick of the market. Pick of the market. Uh, we had some beautiful beans, you know, nice and light green colour. Mm. Snap them in half, they're full of jelly. Um, people were buying half kilo, kilo. Some buying a handful because they didn't need uh, so many. But mm. they'll take them home, cook them very quick and have a feast. Uh, Savoy cabbages. People still making oh, cost, I believe yeah, it or not. Me too. I made one. But we steam it with a little bit of bacon and onion and, and uh, eat that as well, and it's yeah. lovely. I picked up some Cavallonero, which I'm going to do that with. And the Cavallonero, as you just said, it's yeah. beautiful. I um, bunch it because we buy the bunches. They're big. They're full of hard ribs and yellow leaves. So mm. I clean it up and present it only with the beautiful tender leaves. So all you've got to do is go home, chop it, chuck it straight in a pot. Uh, there are many, many ways you can do the Cavallonero. It doesn't take long to cook. That's Definitely the one not thing you taught me. Six minutes, that's it. Yeah. And when you're doing it in a fry pan. And if you're not a vegetarian, a little bit of bakey. Definitely. Um, yeah. uh, that means, sorry, I'm doing impressions. and We're not supposed <laughs> to do that on radio anymore. So what I'm saying is a little bit of bacon. There we yes, go. Yes, right. definitely. Uh, but even onion and tomato will do the trick. Yep. Um, passion fruits are really, really cheap oh, at the moment. Yeah, they're everywhere. That's um, you remember the olden days. We used to get a glass of lemonade and put the passion fruit in, make our own passiona. Wow, living and um, yeah, no, that's beautiful, great. Beautiful cakes. What, one, of, one of the most intense, craziest fruits around. I love passion fruit. Yeah, me too. But you got to be careful. You can overdose on it, and the acid can get to you. Like pineapple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, we do what we got to do, and. Um, have a feast while we can. Unfortunately, yeah. there's American cherries around. Don't buy them. Um, ours will come November. It's the same as these bloody weird mangoes. Just just stick to the seasons. But the, the worst thing is there's imported lychees. They're dime a dozen, but oh. beware. Well, that's tempting. All right. No, but I'm not going to. See, I'm yeah. going to stick to my guns. Stick to guns. Stick to and guns. also, even though it's wintertime, we've been selling a lot of fancy lettuce. We've had butter lettuce, mignonette. Um, You've got beautiful green in the front today. Yeah, and there's another one I've never seen before. It looks like um, um, a lamb's tongue. Oh, lamb's tongue, yeah, yeah. Lettuce. It's yeah. got all these little leaves with a longer stem. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they've crossed two or three lettuces to get it or what, um, but it looks beautiful and it tastes good too. Salads are a beautiful thing, um, and uh, and it's a great way to. If you're going to be during winter, where we're eating sort of more fatty meals. Richer meals, we need the salad. Just some dressed leaves yes. to cut through. That's the but beautiful e- but thing. But even uh, a little bit of fennel slice, no salt, no nothing, is a very good palate cleanser. Or if you want to make a salad, slice it thinly, a bit of olive oil and vinegar and salt, that's it. And it really does. It, it cleans the palate. 
and uh, it helps the digestion as well. Would I argue with you on that? I hope not. No, neither would I. No. Uh, but I would say, um, as you know, my, uh, when I sort of have my uh, pretends I'm a Sicilian, <laughs> what do I put in it? <laughs> Uh, blood orange. Orange. And oh, they're out. just oranges. Oh, yeah, they are too. Yes. Blood orange yeah. and fennel. Yeah. And a little bit of white salad onion if we've got the fresh ones. And maybe a little bit of parsley with that as well. Could be known. Stop. You made me hungry. Again. Oh, good. Okay, I'm okay. And, and let's not forget a nice little, some bit of ciabatta to go with there just to scoop it up. It's La Dolce Vita. It's making me feel good. The sunshine's making me feel good. Seeing you has made me feel good. Thank you, John. You're welcome. We'll see you. See you next time. Have a lovely day, guys. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how. If you've just joined us, you are listening to Eat It here on 3 FM. Cal Chapman's here with me, and I'm delighted that he's driving the bus. Thank you, Cal. It's all right, as long as we don't have a puncture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no punctures, no blowouts, please. Um, and those that might want to have never seen a, a Romanesco uh, God's equation in a vegetable, uh, you can go to my Instagram, uh, Cam Smith Eat It, and uh, and check it out. You said you saw them in old the old Dart. Uh, yeah, I saw uh, the first time I came across one was at a farm in uh, you know pick your own farm in Norfolk in England, and yeah. uh, I just remember being blown away. Actually, this, they this, are, they're this insane. incredible fractal uh, piece of nature. Yeah, yeah it's rather good. Uh, normally we're going to have the thinking drinking theme, but no, we just thought why not? Let's just bring in, ladies and gentlemen, Sebastian Rayborn, Esquire. Seb, Cam. Hello. mate, how Hello. you going? I haven't seen you in so long. I, um, I'm very good. I think we we sort of have those brief moments and then yeah. we mean to catch up and then things get locked down. So Things do get locked down. I've been sending you sort of tunes every now and then, which I hope you've been enjoying. Uh, Seb, down there at uh, Geelong with his uh, fabulous partner, Dervla McGowan, how is the world of anthogen? Uh, it's... Actually, lovely, Cam. Lovely. So, um, I have to say we have an incredible growing team down at Anthony now, so I, it's very rarely that I'm distilling gin there, which is mm. both wonderful and also, you know, a little sad. But, um, you know, just an incredible team coming up now with, with Joey and Ainsley and Gabby and Nicole. And, we could have and so on, the so. Incredible Women of Gin Award down there in Geelong for them. <laughs> but, uh, all right, let's... Uh, Let's put the cat amongst the pigeons. Uh, let's start the arguments. Let's start the discussion. The five <laughs> greatest cocktails of all time. It's tricky, well, isn't it? It's tricky. <laughs> well, yes and, and no. I mean, oh. I think you, I sort of put out there the old-fashioned and you immediately countered with the Sazerac. Yes. And... It's like a chess move, wasn't it? It's like <laughs> and... I castled. Ah, totally. And and I think in one sense, you know, the old-fashioned, a little bit earlier, maybe, you know, 20 or 30 years earlier in the, in the history, but yes. you know, it's, it's spirit, sugar, bitters, just tamed perfectly. But the Sazerac, it does take it up a notch. It, it's, you know, spirit... More bitters, botanicals, sugar. my friend, more botanicals. Absence. Yes, little, you know, paste showed bitters. I do have a, 
And I do have a Sazerac confession to make, Cam. Oh, yes, if, you know, yes, my son, please tell there, me. You know, there's that, you know, that thing about it. You know, if you want to perfect something, you have to sort of, you know, do it till you've been doing it for 10,000 hours. 10,000 repetitions, if there yeah, be it uh, right. a, a piano, a guitar, or even a banjo. Yes? <laughs> and um, the Sazerac, I guess, for me is sort of that cocktail. It's the drink that I've spent the most time trying to get right. I agreed. I've had um, a couple sensational ones and a couple... Of... Can we just very, very quickly describe uh, its its history, uh, its derivation, and what is it, and why is it so hard to get right? So it's it comes out of New Orleans. It's, it's probably around 1830s. It's... Yep. Um, it's it's made with Sazerac Perifee Cognac, mm. um, which is an old, old French brand of high-quality cognac mixed with Peychaud bitters invented by Antoine Peychaud in New Orleans, and then a, an absinthe or a herb sank, which is a, a New Orleans sort of style of, you know, French absinthe, this sort of big, heavy, anesthetic absinthe. Yep. Rinse, rinse in the glass yes. and a little bit of sugar, and it's served straight up in a rocks glass, which is a really rare thing in the cocktail world. Mm. And so the big difference between this and an old-fashioned, the old-fashioned served on the rocks. So with an old-fashioned, you can serve it not fully diluted. Yes, And then the customer right. gets in yeah. their hand, they have a sip, and they're like, oh, it's a tiny bit too hot. Yeah. You know what? I'm just going to wait a minute. Okay, it's a tiny bit too hot. I'm just going to wait a minute. Oh, wow, that's perfect. And that, you know, that the dilution and the temperature hit this point where the liquid just becomes velvet in your mouth. Ambrosial and, and not with the, the hotness or the sting of alcohol. And what's, the, the, what's the percentage well, the, the, where the, that, that happens, Seb? It's, it's around 30% ABV 30. At, at sort of minus 2 or minus 3 degrees. So okay. the temperature is part of that as well. And that's the point where your palate won't detect heat. Yep. But you're, as, as the spirit warms up as you sip, you, you know, your throat and your stomach and your tummy will get that nice warmth. So it's smooth in your mouth, but alive in in your tummy, which is, you know, how it should be. And, so this, the and the the, Sazerac, there's a bliss point, isn't there, Seb? And it's it's a tricky little thing. It's it's really hard to hit it. And the thing with the Sazerac, once it's in that glass, mm. it's served straight up in that glass. It's, that, that's it. You've it's either, over. You nailed it or you didn't. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Nowhere to and, hide. And, you know? That's it. And, and look, this, this drink very quickly went from being cognac to being American rye, you know, from being American rye to people, you know, bringing in bourbon. And as the sort of um, the Sazerac came back mm. sort of post-prohibition, because it sort of disappeared a little bit, yep. um, it came back at a time when American rye whiskey was hard to get. So it sort of became another oh, a bit of a bourbon drink yeah. for a while there. And in that era... Um, in the 1980s is when sort of Dale DeGroff, or late 1980s, early 90s, Dale DeGroff sort of did a bit of a tweak on it that he called the New York Sazerac, which is half bourbon, half cognac, Peychaud bitters, a little bit of sugar, you know, straight up in an absinthe rim glass. That's actually my favourite way to have it. I find cognac is a little too smooth, so you don't get the bite. Agreed. And whiskey is a tiny bit too rough, and you don't quite get as much velvet, but the two together, for me... Love it. And if you want to get really pedantic, I like about 28 millilitres of cognac to 32 mil of bourbon. <laughs> there or, you go. And that, and you know, that tells an you. Australian, yeah. an Australian sour mash whiskey. Like, uh, 
the glorious Ned that I get to make out in Campbellfield with the team out there as well. So with, with those fabulous overtones of maple, which would work Absolutely. really, really well with that. Uh, can I one thing? And we're, we're spending too much time on this Sazerac, but um, uh, was the the fact that it sort of uh, went from cognac to rye because of phylloxera? Uh, it's a little bit earlier or, than or, that. It yeah, really that's what I thought. What what's available locally? Um, that the Sazerac. Um, Cognac actually ran out. Oh. You know, so, um, <laughs> and Would have been frowns. The guy that owned what was called the Sazerac Coffee House at the time, I think he probably just did a deal because he was also a very astute businessman. Okay, so... Uh, so yes. All right, so number one or um, slash number one uh, equal, we've got the Sazerac and the Manhattan. Well, Sazerac and Old Fashioned. Uh, old fashioned, sorry. Ooh, what am I saying? Slap myself because you think you're not in the in the studio. You'd have to go. Oh, sorry. Ouch. Um, so now another cocktail, and I think we're going to say whether this is in order or not. But Malta Mue Malto um, Botanicals, the Negroni, the king of botanicals. And, and this is, you know, this is how we met, Mister Can Smith. I know. <laughs> so many years and, ago, and it is you've you pointed out there is no cocktail with more botanicals than Negroni because it has gin, which is you know full of botanicals. <laughs> Hello, yeah. It, it has you know Italian bitter, you know generally Campari, which is you know full of botanicals, full of that stuff. And then it has vermouth, which has probably got the most botanicals of the three. Yeah, you know, usually up around forty. So you know, we're talking sort of you know seventy to ninety botanicals in one glass. In one glass. It's crazy. You know, which is, and, and it's also, it's a lovely cultural moment because, you know, this is where, you know, there's this guy, Camillo Negroni, he's living in America, he's been sort of ostracized by his Italian royal family, mm. you know, because he's a count and they don't want him back. And then no. they bring in prohibition in America and he's like, well, I'm not staying. So he comes back, you know, and he comes back to Italy, you know, and, and he's, in, he's in Florence and he's drinking Americano, which is, you know, vermouth and bitter and uh, served tall with soda quite often, and he's saying, "Oh, look, this isn't as strong as the drinks from from yeah. the US. Let's let's take the soda out and let's add gin. Boom. You know, let's get some spirit in there." And you know, this is where it begins, and it's named after him. So, and it's we now think around 1924. I was going to say, now 1924. Didn't yeah. we just didn't we just celebrate a hundred years of Negroni like a we while should. ago? Yeah, I mean, look, what's I, going on there? Campari, argue it's a little bit earlier. Okay. I, I can't find the evidence for that. Oh well, we can have another. Yeah. <laughs> we can have another party anyway in in twenty twenty four. What's your next one there? Well, I think it's got to be the martini. It's um, got to be the martini. And the thing I love most about the martini is that if you're ever lost, you know, in the bush, in the desert, yeah. you just start making a martini, and five people show up to tell you what you're doing wrong. Ah! And very good. And, and that's the thing. It's probably the, the <laughs> cocktail most argued over, but like the Sazerac, yes. you, it's served straight up. Yes. You've got one shot as a bartender or mixing it at home to nail it and get it spot on. And, you know, choice of vermouth, dilution, choice of gin, matching in the gin and vermouth, because there's, mm. there's not a lot. And garnish. Drink. You know, there's, you, there's not a lot there. Do you, do, you go a, do you go briny olive or do you do the citrus lemon? Um, oh. My favourite way is I, I love gin with lemon peel and citrus. So me too. For me, me too. you know, that's where I love it. But I don't mind doing an olive and a twist. 
Yes. Uh, one of the things I love about having an olive is that it becomes an all-rounder. It's like, yes, I'm having a meal. Yes, I'm eating. <laughs> um, so, yes. Um, okay, so next, what are we? what's your next one? So we just to keep, uh, for those that are playing along at home, uh, the Sazerac uh, is the king, uh, the Negroni is second, the Martini is third, followed by... Well, I'm going to get a little bit cultural here, Cam, and it's... It's a Mai Tai, but it's for, lots, for a few reasons. One, there's a combination. So a Mai Tai is rum, lots of rum. Yeah, rum, rum, rum. And usually a few different rums blended together. A little bit of orange liqueur. Yeah. A little bit of fresh lime. So, yep. you know, you're getting... Okay, so we've got Acid. rum, we've got orange, we've got lime. And then for the sugar, you use orgier, which is an almond sugar. And so it's this combination of rum, orange, lime, and almond and it's a glorious sort of flavour symphony. But yes, yes. What I like even more. What? This is, this is the moment where tiki starts as a, this cultural phenomena. And I love this. This manufactured thing. Totally made up. Totally made up. Totally made up. This sort of mythology of this relaxed South Sea Island sort mm. of thing that didn't really exist and, and total uh, a cultural appropriation i mean they stole yeah. imagery you know from christmas island from hawaii from micronesia polynesia and everywhere co-opted it into this made-up ersatz idea mm. and the idea you know kicks off in the sort of late 40s early 50s and for 25 years it becomes this cultural phenomenon that crosses the world and i mean it's still you know it still exists today and it's yeah. You know, founded in this idea of let's have some fun. Yeah, but um, uh, the, I've got to say that everything, just okay, just about everything in the tiki culture is just ultimately just delicious because, yeah. you know, using rums, which are so many esters, so there's so much going on with the nose. Um, there's citrus, there's pineapples, which are just delicious. But for me, as you have just said, if I could just reiterate and also um, uh, uh, just concentrate the idea of the thing that makes the Mai Tai so amazing is this almond sugar syrup, which just makes it beguiling and unique and exceptional. And indulgent. And indulgent. Which I love about the whole tiki culture. Yeah. It is that sort of moment of indulgence. Pass me my ukulele. Sorry, <laughs> I got a, I got a, yes. Yeah. Well, I suppose we should we should look at one cultural phenomena to to one that's very Melbourne, which is the wonderful world of coffee. And um, yeah, you added that. I, I was meeting, I was chatting some, with some American bartenders, and this was a few years ago now, and, and they were sort of you know from fancy bars in America, and we were mentioning the espresso martini, and they looked at us like we were just idiots. <laughs> it was just like, what is the matter with you? That yeah. Is a, Awful, awful thing. They're not laughing now, are they, Seb? Well, the realisation was that in America at that time, this was sort of early 2000s, an espresso martini was vodka and coffee liqueur just in a glass. And it's not very nice because you've got sugar, you've got spirit and sugar, not a lot else, no bitter, you know, so it's not even like an old-fashioned. Even if it did wake up Kate Moss. (laughs) Yeah, allegedly. Allegedly. And when you bring it to Australia... Yeah. And, and Melbourne, where the coffee is exceptional. And coffee has really high acidity. 
So what you have here as a drink is that you have strong spirit, you have sweet liqueur, and you've got acid from the from the coffee. So this is actually a classic perfect balance, you know, of, of alcohol, sugar, and acid just all perfectly meeting together. And when you make it with good coffee, it's an exceptional drink. And mm. I love it. Mm. See, um, see, this is where we differ. And I, I, I didn't actually – I put that as um, a, um, a, a notable type thing, an <laughs> exceptional mention type thing. But I put in, and here's my thing, the champagne cocktail <laughs> because – it is the only cocktail that its flavour profile changes completely as you drink it because a champagne cocktail, of course, is sugar cube, angostura bitter, boom, shot of brandy, top up with uh, the best champagne you can have, um, and it starts off super dry, and by the end, it ends up super sweet and boozy, more boozy. Uh, and it's it's such a celebratory drink, you know, because the sugar cube makes the the bubbles the you bead. Know, go mad from the champagne. So yeah. it looks it looks like how it's going to make you feel. It does, yeah, nice one, <laughs> nice one. Um, so how many have we got? We we said the top five, and I think we decided we'd have well, we have six. Need, we need to, we need to add the margarita cam. Oh yeah, we do. Yes, I love this because this is where the world of technology and economics come together. So the margarita, it's sometime between 1910 and 1930, we're not sure, comes out of Mexico. It's it's tequila, orange liqueur, fresh lime, mm. shaken straight up, sometimes with a salt rim, sometimes without, sometimes using, you know, agave. Sometimes uh, syrup, frozen. Sometimes not, that's it. But the thing for me is that around 1890, modern refrigeration starts to become normal to have manufactured ice. Yes. And the Tudor Ice Company, who at that point shipped ice to the entire world out of Massachusetts, from out of the, the Great Lakes. Out from there. the Great Lakes, the, the ice cutters, yes. Their business model collapsed. Yeah, yeah. Just because so we compressed ammonium in or ammonia. 2020 style, mm. they pivot and they've got insulated boats that are shipping all around the world. And so they pivot to shipping citrus. Yeah. And they start to move citrus, you know, from different hemispheres and out of season. So that so having fruit all year round begins with the collapse of the ice trade. And having fruit all year round, having citrus all year round, is the reason drinks like the margarita become global. Indeed. And also we have to say that, um, uh, like the margarita, the, the um, uh, sorry, uh, like a daiquiri, um, it is the ultimate sort of uh, pairing of sugar. Liquor and citrus, and I reckon it's good. Ooh, 12.59. We're going to have to wrap this up, Seb. Um, so you want to read out that list again just to get the top five greatest cocktails of all time? we got the Old Fashioned, the Sazerac, the Martini, the Negroni, the Mai Tai, the Espresso Martini, the Margarita, the Champagne Cocktail, and, and I don't think that's enough. I I'm glad we could just keep that down to five. And I've also got in in a cu- 15 seconds that we've got um, drinks that are most likely to sneak up and destroy you, which I'd love for us to do a segment on, the mint julep, the rusty nail, and oh, the depth yeah. charge. Oh, oh, my. Oh, Cam, the depth charge. All right, oh. I've got to go. Seb, love you, buddy. Say hi to Derv. Love you, Cam. We're going to get Seriously. out of here. Still here after this. Carl Chapman, you rock. Thank you so much. Thanks, Cam. As you do, listeners, goodbye. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink. 
broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website.